to the Value Coffee Talk podcast. Hi, I'm April Morley, co-founder of Genius Drive. And I'm Tom Pasello, the ROI guy. This podcast is a service of the Enterprise Value Collective, a community for business value-focused leaders and practitioners, and is sponsored by our value consultancy, Genius Drive. And our mission is to help you accelerate and optimize the value articulation in each of your customer engagements and throughout your customer lifecycle. And I'm really happy to join me with my coffee today. It's Doug May. How you doing, Doug? I'm doing great, Tom. It's good to see you, as always. Uh, April, Doug, you as well. He's a you top uh, market executive and value evangelist. Currently, he's the chief of staff to the CRO at Datadog. He was formerly with a couple of other data companies, Databricks, Splunk, and then BMC back in the day, just to name a few. And Doug's been a great mentor and influencer to many of you here that listen to the podcast. He's very generous with his time and sharing of best practices of everything value. And we are totally honored to have him with us today. So Doug, we're here to talk about something I know that's really important to a lot of the practices you established, and that's the value office charter. Um, when you talk to other value peer leaders, I know you're, recon uh, you're you know, you recognized as one of the key elements to the success you've had versus the struggle is whether a value office charter was in place or not in that organization. So talk about what the heck is a value office charter and, and why is it so important to success? Yeah, well, um, it's funny. I'll take you back to my first days at Splunk. Um, so mind you, I'd been a sales rep for 10 years, a sales leader and, and a former CRO myself for another 12 years. And and all of a sudden I decided I wanted to help salespeople and, and account teams, you know, win more, win faster and all of that. I had a passion for value as a seller, but had never really done the, the job so much. So, um, so when I got the job at Splunk and, you know, we had a great alignment between myself and Bart Finelli and Tom Schodorf over there, who was a CRO. It was, it was sort of come in and help us build a value program. And that's all I got. Mm -hmm. And, and, and what I say that is a lot of value programs I feel start with sort of, we need to do this. Mm -hmm. And then the person who's there to start it is left to sort of take that and make something of it. And so what I've seen people do in the past is just do the basics. Um, and what I found very quickly is that the basics are, are pretty much, we know what they are. You know, deals of a certain size require financial justification. You know, the messaging you have to have to get to the economic buyer and an opportunity, it's gotta be different than the technical language of your product. You have to do the translation form. So you could easily fall into this you know, trap, if you will, of just making your program all about doing deals, if, if, for lack of a better word. Mm -hmm. um, sales ask me to engage, I engage, we build a business case, and we go off and we do the next one, the next one, the next one, and that's it. And I thought to myself, you know, is that it? Is that all there is in the world of value? There's got to be more. And mm -hmm. I think, um, you know, again, April, you'll appreciate this given your background too, but when you have an opportunity to come into a deal as a value consultant, you get to see things completely different than when you're the sales rep or the sales director or the CRO. You look at the opportunities completely differently. And what I was finding is we're hearing 
about the trends uh, that customers are, you know, things they're doing with the product, what value they're getting with the product, what questions they're asking. So it started me thinking to myself, well, who else has this kind of visibility in the organization? And I'm thinking there's really nobody. Like we are a pretty interesting place to do this. So how do we differentiate the value program? How do we make a name for ourselves? How do we become um, almost like a hub of this knowledge and intelligence in order to drive the company forward? So there's really two parts to the charter. One is supporting the business. Mm -hmm. The other is transforming the business. Now, the places I've been have been in high growth. And so in high growth, things are always moving. And, and you do have to think about, you know, this is how we do it today. How is it going to be a year from now, two years from now? And so, the, you know, this, this charter that I developed, I call the four E's, which is really um, how you number, like I, I recruit people using this charter because I want them to understand what they're coming into. This is not just a job where you're going to quantify value, build a business case, validate it with your account, give them the document and see you later, go to the next one. It's, that's part of the job. It's not the job. Um, so, so I wanted to make sure we could recruit the right people who had the right spirit and the right excitement and motivation and passion to do these other things. Um, the other thing was, how do I explain internally what we do? There are skeptics in every organization. When you're a distinct uh, or discrete quota carrier and a deal comes in and it closes, you get credit for it. When you're an overlayer supporting function and you start talking about numbers, there are many people in the room, oftentimes, at least some of them I've bumped into have CFO in their title. And what they end up doing is, well, wouldn't we have won that deal anyways? Yeah. You know, maybe we, it would have taken a little longer. Maybe it would have, we would have had to discount a little more, but wouldn't we have won it anyways? And so I started to think to myself is like, oh, there's a lot of skepticism about this. Yet the customers love it. The sales teams can't live without it you know, all the other feedback we're getting doesn't make sense. So I'm like, if I have a good charter, if I can explain what our role is and I can align that to the most important things our company is chasing, like growing. And at the time, Splunk was growing 50% a year through a billion and two billion and beyond. So what we did is we created this four phase charter. The first E is execute. Mm -hmm. That's the support the business piece. That's the traditional, hey, we got a deal, great. Tell me about your deal. Let's go meet your champion. Let's go build a business case. Let's really win. All that good stuff. Um, but then the transform part is broken into three pieces, which is first one is enable. You know, we as experts in value and messaging to executives, like we need to teach the ecosystem we operate in the value skills that they will need in order to win on their own. Mm -hmm. And frankly, for so many of these people too, um, if you can teach these skills to salespeople, you're gonna change their careers, not just their careers at the company you're at, but their careers over the long haul. So we took it on ourselves to integrate with our enablement teams to make sure we're part of the onboarding, to make sure we were embedded in the sales process, to make sure that other supporting functions understood what we did. We would teach them our methods. I remember doing offsites with our customer success teams and our SE teams and, and marketing and all of the folks around the ecosystem. So as experts, we owe it to give back to the ecosystem we're in. That's the enable piece. The next piece of this transform is called evangelize. And that's all about opening the eyes of the world to the power of the solution that you're representing. Now, in my case, many of the solutions I've represented are super technical. As a result of that, you go to the websites, 
uh, and it's all designed around maybe a hands-on keys user. I mean, I'm at Datadog now. We're very focused sort of on that SRE DevOps user. Mm-hmm. There's not an awful lot of sort of business value message um, that is relevant to those people. So we actually took it upon ourselves to start to become the voice of value in the outside world. We would host webinars. We would do executive um, breakfasts or you know events with the marketing team in the field. Um, we would write white papers. And all of this was sort of to bring another voice to the table so that executives who did come to our website or did hear about our solutions had the opportunity to sort of consume not only the power of the technology, but what it could do for their business. Mm-hmm. And I mean, we, we had, we really spent a lot of time doing this uh, over the years because it was really important um, to, to sort of find those technical people in our customer base who believed and knew that they needed to talk to their executives in a different way. So this was also part of our like almost selfishly recruiting evangelists for us, uh, for our solution to be able to, because you know, they wanted to move up in the organization. They wanted to, to talk about the business and show people what they were doing. So it was really, really good. And then the third one of the transform piece is called Evolve. And that's all about continuously innovating to accelerate the land, adopt, expand, and renew motion. Um, this uh, goes back to sort of, we were the ones sitting in front of the customer. And I remember at Splunk, the, cust- the questions I was always asked, like, hey, you have 9,000 customers, you know, back in the day. Um, what use case should we do next? You know, Splunk was a very platform-oriented uh, open platform that allowed you to do lots of different things. Mm-hmm. So the customer wanted to know what's next. The other thing is they wanted to know, for example, how are we doing compared to, our, to other Splunk customers? Can you help us understand that? And it led us into innovate on various new methods for helping customers along their decision process. One of them at Splunk, for example, was we call the data source assessment. Um, Splunk's license model was based on ingesting data. And those were typically data sources. They might be firewall logs. They might be server logs, application logs. So you put them in, that's how you pay. And then you would use that through their search interface and build dashboards Mm -hmm. and reports. So they were asking, well, what other things could we be doing? We built a framework that took the most common use cases, mapped them against the most common data sources, and then brought an assessment in the door, which allowed them to now kind of become prescriptive, like, here's the use cases we have in the data. Here's the balance data. There's three use cases we're not doing, but we already have the data. So that's free value, right? Mm-hmm. More value for the customer, which is great because it embeds them and they, it also makes it a real partnership. And then the third thing that came out of that was, well, if you added this other data source, you could unlock this use case and get even more value. And of course, this became super consultative, but that's a great example of what became this evolved pillar um, in there. And so because we got to see all of these uh, customers and opportunities and, and you know existing customers net new, we were in a unique position to evolve the overall go-to-market motion. And we did that at Splunk, we did it at Databricks, and ultimately all of those, those things which were started as maybe surveys or assessments, uh, even spreadsheets, ultimately became applications mm-hmm. uh, and automated because uh, the, the secret to all of this stuff and getting a thousand sellers or more to use it is you can't do it with a whole lot of us as value consultants. You've got to do it with 
uh, with uh, other means. And, and to me, this was the thing that really hit the mark with our executives internally was that, you know, Doug has five value consultants and we have, uh, I don't know, 200 salespeople. If we're going to double salespeople next year, I can't give Doug five more value consultants. So the idea was I had to have a, a strategy on how I was going to be able to support the demand, but do it in a more efficient way. So could I support that extra 200 sellers with one more value consultant uh, and improve my productivity ratios? So we, we were trying to align to the growth uh, trajectory of the company and then the things that mattered most. So that's how I came up. I ultimately, they were called something different. And then I liked the idea that they could all be starting with a single letter, Literation. which we settled, yeah. we settled on with the letter E, not often used, but you know, uh, not for, not for frameworks, but you know, I thought it was. Uh, so to reiterate catchy. that, Doug, yeah, it's execute, enable, evangelize and evolve. And that's what you think needs to be addressed in that value office charter. Yeah. And, and it mainly it, it's because no one handed me one. Yeah. No one mm -hmm. said, here's what we needed to do. So in order to survive and have purpose and to be able to recruit and, and manage and lead my team, this is what we came up with. And, and it's really served us incredibly well. Yeah. And I think, Doug, the opposite. It's like you mentioned it. You know, you're given an idea of a segment of this, perhaps. Normally, it's something in the execute. Hey, can you put together a spreadsheet for us so we can do business cases for the big deals? Hey, can you create a deal desk, so a value deal desk, so we can get a value engineer into the big deals? Uh, can you implement maybe uh, some value training for the sellers? And they tend to be these little segments of or pieces of ultimately a solution, but one individual one by itself ultimately mm -hmm. doesn't deliver what it could if you think of it more comprehensively right completely and and this is what became we became a magnet in the organizations both at splunk and at databricks in particular where because we had a charter and we were explaining that charter to everyone and they were seeing the work that we were doing um the other thing is we couldn't build a data source assessment on our own we had to talk to dscs we had to talk to professional services we had to talk to you know all these other functions in the company and when they started to get a sense for who we were you know we were people some of us were technical some of us were sales oriented some of us were analysts you know, we had varying backgrounds and what i found was like there was just a great interest in working and collaborating it, it created the, the magnet magnetization if you will of the function so someone in cs would come to us and say hey we're thinking about digitizing our onboarding processes, and we'd really like to embed your ideas of the data source assessment and value realization into that process. So, and I was, we're like, great, let's do it. <laughs> so it just, it became the snowball downhill. It just became so important and so big. And then we applied this to other functions in the go-to-market organization as well, mm -hmm. not just the value engineers, because at the end of the day, this methodology works for any go-to-marketing support function. So we had sales overlays, we had domain experts in other capabilities. And this really, really nails what it is that they need to do to support their their stakeholders. That's, that's great. Sounds like a really thorough approach. I'm and you talked about how it Splunk you experienced or you know, maybe multiple organization experienced resistance early on, and that you really had to develop this charter to win over, you know, stakeholders across the organization. Can you talk a little bit about the evolution of the charter and how you use that to influence and gain buy in? Yeah, it's a great question. So if you 
this is why I feel so strongly about if you just focus on working opportunities, you're, you're potentially putting your program at risk. Yeah. And the reason is you will come across a skeptic. Um, you know, and there are many of them, again, I think initially the CFO at Splunk, who happened to be the same CFO at Databricks, and then, of course, <laughs> became a, a convert. Um, but, you know, he's looking at the envelope that he provides for the, the sales and go-to-market organization. For every salesperson I hire, how many additional things do I need to provide? An SE, of course, we get that. But then channel people. And, you know, so if you start throwing value people into the mix, hey, wait a minute, we didn't plan on this. They're going to be skeptical. And so the way we try to do it is we try to isolate metrics that we had the most influence over. It's very common for leaders in the value program to talk about deal attached. And they do that in dollars, number of opportunities, maybe even, um, you know, a percentage of the business that they're covering. And at the end of the day, I feel like those metrics do not serve their function properly for those skeptics. What mm -hmm. ends up happening in those scenarios is, you know, they want to pick it apart. Well, there was that really big deal at Disney and that was going to happen. And so uh, you can't really take credit for that. So they start slicing and dicing it. But what I found was if you could isolate in on key metrics such as win rate, we started to see massive differences. And I know, Tom, you know this well from our work uh, together in the past, but the idea that a value consultant working with, say, an enterprise sales rep on a deal has a win rate of X. And when there's no value consultant, there's an, uh, another win rate. And what we found was the value consultant had, a, I think it was 5.6 times, uh, you know, greater win rate. And one would argue like, okay, well, that's pretty interesting. But the way we really validated this, because there still could be the notion of we're being selective. Yeah, uh, you know, so the skeptic will the find best deals, Doug. Only the best of deals course. get a value engineer. Or, or Tom, I'm looking at a bunch of <laughs> deals and go, hmm, you know, which one do I want to get engaged in? Yeah. So yeah. you know, there's there's sort of that that you have to sort of overcome. But but when you looked at win rate, when we put the automation platform in place, it would the number was almost identical. Mm -hmm. So these are salespeople self-selecting the tool, using it and winning at a significantly higher rate. We did that way at Splunk and it did it at Databricks. That to me sort of made this very, very clear that the, the practice of going to a champion, working together to collaborate on a business level deliverable that converts the technical to the business to get to speak to the executive, mm -hmm. that's a metric when you isolate that metric, very hard for any skeptic to rip that apart. AEs don't, you know, we don't tell the AEs to, which AEs to go use the tool on. You know, they mm -hmm. choose to do it themselves because <laughs> you can't really tell salespeople to do all that much anyways. Uh, they, they, you know, they're on their own. They've got the, you know, the virtual gun at their head because their, their, their quota and their, their compensation is at risk. So they, they choose what they're going to do. So that, so that, for example, is a really strong win, uh, you know, metric for us was that win rate. Um, so I think when you get into those, that's how you can start to handle the skeptics. You combine that then with these three other E's and you're showing additional value to the organization. So because of the enablement work we were doing, the enablement team was more effective. <laughs> because of the evangelization work we we're doing, the marketing team was more effective. Exactly. And because of the evolution work we were doing, the whole go-to-market and sales productivity was more effective. So, 
so sort of it was a little bit of a defensive strategy in some ways, which it turned into, I mean, so because we created the charter without being asked for it, I guess it was an offensive strategy, but in the mm -hmm. end it became a very good defensive strategy <laughs> for any skeptic. Yeah, and I think that the key is you got yourself into the DNA of the entire organization, right? It wasn't just a sales support function. It was marketing, it was customer success, it was product. And I think that's an important point because someone can always scrutinize those deal metrics. And April, I think you had very similar ones as well, but did face mm -hmm. scrutiny too on it. And um, it's hard to uh, overcome that sometimes, but if you're already ingrained in the organization as the center of value excellence or the value office and marketing can't do it without you, success enablement, they can't do it without you. It becomes not just a per sales to VE ratio, which everyone still cares about, but we really have to get beyond and elevate beyond that. Completely. And I'll give you one final example about how we got is that Splunk went so far, the CEO, uh, Doug Merritt at the time was, you know, such a big fan of some of these mm -hmm. processes and tools that we had come up with that he found a way to use our data source assessment to sort of paint a picture to the market of the opportunity that is present for Splunk. And so we started to, we took like our 10 largest customers and where we had done these data source assessments. And part of that is we, we find out how much data they have in all these places. And we found that even customers that were spending, you know, seven and even eight figures in some cases, we were only 10 or 20% penetrated wow. into all the data that they're generating, which of course data was increasing and still is every single day. So mm -hmm. he used that and we, we, you know, to talk to the board, <laughs> talk to the market. And yeah. uh, so, so the value team really can have a really profound impact, not only on the results, but also on how you, how you think and how you talk to the outside world. Such valuable insights, Doug. Um, what is the one thing that you'd like to leave the Enterprise Value Collective with today? Oh, I think it goes back. Uh, I'll go back to the charter. And you should make your own charter. You can copy mine, but, you know, just you can uh, do what you want. But the idea is lead. I think that's most what's really most important is, is bring a point of view, bring a, a vision for what this function can be. And... Um, and, and then you will get followers. People will follow you. Um, it, it's unfortunate. I, I talk to a lot of value leaders, as I'm sure both of you do as well. And it's, you can tell right away when a, when a function has been sort of positioned into a corner where they have to be super defensive. They're not getting resources. And then you ask them about, well, what's the vision of the organization? What's your charter? And then they look at you a little bit like the deer in the headlights. They're just silent because they don't have one. So, so have one, create one, you know, create it with others around you in the ecosystem and, and, you know, lead them two or three steps ahead. Um, I've just found that in general, true, you know, the really talented people, no matter how talented they are, still need leaders and, uh, and, and they will follow a vision and execute with you. Some of the best people who made all these things possible, by the way, it wasn't me. It was the great ideas of people like Dave Caradona yeah. and Gavin Edgeley and all these folks who, who, you know, when given this vision and this charter, just took it and ran with it. And, um, and then, you know, I got to take credit for a lot of that stuff. Hopefully I made sure I spread it around to everybody. Else. But yeah, that's, that's kind of it. It's like make your own vision. 
execute, enable, evangelize, and evolve. Doug, thank you so much. Thanks, Tom. Thanks, April. Really, really enjoyed it. Appreciate the time. Yeah. Please sign up for the Enterprise Value Collective to join us in conversations like this on LinkedIn or on our GeniusDrive.com website. Stay in touch on the latest events, podcasts, tools, insights, and so much more. And uh, April, until next time, our Enterprise Value Collective, keep sharing and growing. <music>